0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Pagan Parlor. Today is Friday, February 4th, 2022, and I am your host, Maximilian Pensord, but you can call me Max. Here in this podcast, we explore a variety of things related to paganism. Before I get started, I would like to make an announcement. This is going to be the last episode published on Friday mornings at midnight. At this point, I have finished the classes portion of my bachelor's degree and am entering the internship portion and so it is causing changes to my available hours to work on this podcast. As such, going forward, episodes will air on Saturday mornings at midnight Pacific Standard Time instead of on Fridays. I am sorry for any inconveniences this may cause, and I'm looking forward to continuing to bring you great content. Now at this point, I would like to insert the usual notice and reminder that paganism is a broad term that envelops many different pantheons and belief systems, and as such, the podcast will be focused on paganism as a whole, and not on any specific branch of it. Each episode contains a short lesson on a stone or metal, a pagan promotion segment, a story, myth, or legend, a segment I like to call Keeping Up with the Christians, which you will hopefully find amusing as well as informative on what the Christians are up to lately, and an audience Q&A segment. Now, since we are all busy people, we'll jump straight in with a quick ritual. (laughs) This ritual is intended to join the energies of the listeners in with the energies of the host and the same in reverse, as well as basic protections from the ill intentions of others. Feel free to join in at home, or wherever and whenever you find yourself. I will now light a candle, and as I do so, I invite in all beings of good intent into the ritual space. Humans gods and goddesses, spirits and the fae. Come and join together in good nature and to play. Come old, come young, come scarred and burned. It matters little when there's a lesson to be learned. Come in good faith and you will be safe. But come with ill intent and your mind shall get bent. Bring us together in storms and good weather. Keep us from pain and from those who are sane. For the harm of none, and the good of many, we call to the gods, and they are many. Blessed are we, so mote it be. This week, the stone selected for research by our designated stone researcher, Kip, from the Sorcerer's Guild on Facebook, is Tiger's Eye. As such, let's get ready to learn something magical. This week's lesson uses information that comes from wikipedia.org, wiccanow.com, and gemsociety.org. Tiger's Eye is a chatoyant gemstone, which refers to an optical reflective effect which is seen in certain gemstones, woods, and fibers. It is a type of effect which causes it to look like a cat's eye. The stone is usually from a golden color to a reddish brown and is a variety of quartz. It rates from a 6.5 to a 7 on the Mohs hardness scale and can be found in Australia, Burma, India, Namibia, South Africa, the United States, Brazil, Canada, China, Korea, and Spain. In a metaphysical sense, the tiger's eye is associated with the element of Earth, the zodiac signs of Leo and Gemini, as well as the sun, and is associated with the deities Bast, Ra, and Sekhmet. The stone is thought to empower psychic abilities and facilitate communication with animals. It supports learning and aids those seeking truth or wisdom. It can also foster confidence, boost inspiration and creativity, and aid in the recovery of that which is owed. Now beyond these things, there are a couple of things to be careful about if you're going to craft with it. Tiger's Eye contains asbestos and is a type of quartz so don't be a dumbass and get silicosis or asbestos in your lungs from sanding, cutting, drilling, carving, or otherwise crafting with this stone without proper protective gear. Next we have our pagan promotion section. Herein I will highlight one person of interest, celebrity, or pagan-owned business per week. This week, we are highlighting a witch by the name of Kay, who hails from Texas. She does not own or operate a business, but loves to talk to others about her witchcraft. She always had a call to witchcraft and got her start in Wicca before transitioning to Western ceremonial magic and then chaos magic before settling into traditional witchcraft, at least for now. In 2017, she had her first experience with the Christian devil, whom she called out to as an entity and received an answer from. While she does not worship him or consider him herself a Satanist, she does work with him no differently from any other spirit or entity. Additionally, while she does believe in God, she does not personally have any sort of worship or relationship devoted to any of them. Her personal path to witchcraft is through gnosis, studying the court records of the witch trials, studying folklore, myths, and legends, as well as the works of authors such as Peter Carroll, Daniel Schulk, Lee Morgan, and more. Finally, while she doesn't have any specific allure that draws her to witchcraft beyond above and beyond others, she states that spiritual flight is absolutely incredible and one of her favorite things to experience. Blessed BK, may your spells be potent, your days pleasant, and all things come to you as deserved. If you or a pagan business or person you know would like to be featured on a pagan promotion segment, Send in an email to paganparlor1313 at gmail.com with any relevant information pertaining to yourself or the person or business of note. The pagan promotion segment exists solely for building community within those of the pagan belief systems, and as such, being featured is a free service and should never come at a cost. The next section is on stories, myths, and legends. In this portion of the podcast, I will retell a legend, myth, or story related to the gods, magic, or anything else that I feel to be paganism related. Today's story comes from mesopotamia.mrdonn.org. Gilgamesh and the Tree of Eternal Life. Once upon a time, many thousands of years ago, there was a great city by the name of Uruk, greatest of all the Sumerian cities. This city of Uruk was ruled by a great and powerful king. Gilgamesh was his name, and he was fully two-thirds god, and only one-third mortal. And because of this, he had magical powers. His powers were fewer than many of the other full gods, but still he had some powers, and that is what mattered. Gilgamesh loved his people. He loved his magical powers, as well as a good fight and a good adventure. Because of this, every now and again, the king would leave his kingdom in the hands of an assembly of wise men while he went off looking for an adventure. And one of his favorite places to go looking for adventure was in the forbidden forest that was a neighbor to the great city of Uruk. After all, one never knew what would happen within the forest. On this particular day, though, nothing much was happening. King Gilgamesh sighed heavily and sat down upon a nearby log, while gazing up at the mountaintops, hard to see at the edges of his vision. Nobody had ever traveled to the mountains, whether to take a better look or just to see what was on the other side. Despite nobody having ever traveled there, even the king himself, there were stories that came to him, of a plant that could grant everlasting life, which was to be found on the other side of the mountains. Despite thinking it an old wives' tale, Gilgamesh was bored, and so he walked for forty days and forty nights until he came to a pass in the mountains. Unfortunately, the pass was guarded by two huge and very demonic scorpions who sneered at him and said, Go back, little man. Angered, the king shouted, Do you know who I am? I am Gilgamesh the god. Get out of my way, you stupid bugs. The demons who had heard of Gilgamesh from some of the defeated monsters that had limped back through the pass with awful tales of the terrible Gilgamesh while indicating a missing limb or a deformity. With a loud pop, the demon scorpions vanished with the way clear Gilgamesh went through the pass between the mountains and entered the kingdom on the other side when he did he saw a beautiful palace out in the distance with a rather large boat beside it not in the water but instead just set upon the earth tilted to one side from the curvature of its hull despite there not being any water in the form of a river or a moat or a stream or lake and despite there being no town to support it, there was a boat and there was a palace. When Gilgamesh arrived there, the king and queen seemed very nice, and they invited him to stay with them for the night, which Gilgamesh accepted. As they ate dinner that evening, the queen asked Gilgamesh if he was enjoying his trip, for she could see that the purpose of him being outside of his kingdom was surely to explore the neighboring kingdoms. Mostly to change the subject, Gilgamesh said, I happen to notice your boat outside. My boat! the king exclaimed in pride while wearing a beaming smile. A beauty, isn't she? I built her after the gods warned me about the flood and I loaded it with every kind of plant and animal. When the rains came, I loaded my family aboard as well, and then it rained for six days and nights before stopping on the 7th. Some days later, when the water finally went away, I opened up the hatches and let me tell you all the animals and the people they walked right off. Then we built this palace and scattered the seeds to the winds, and that's how the world got its second start, my queen and I. We did it! Gilgamesh shook his head as he looked at them in wonder thinking of how this king's accomplishments made his own seem small and unimportant it then occurred to him that this man might if any one did know where the plant that granted eternal life might be found after asking the king hesitated having the knowledge but doubting the wisdom of granting it to this brash young king afterwards Gilgamesh thanked his host for the dinner and excused himself to bed. After having walked for forty days and nights, he was so tired that he then slept for the next six days and nights, and while he slept, the queen spoke to her husband and convinced him that Gilgamesh seemed like a good and sincere young man who had traveled a great distance and then didn't even interrupt him once while listening to his story about the boat. It just goes to show that having good manners does pay off, because when Gilgamesh awoke, he was served a huge and very delicious breakfast by the king and his wife before he told Gilgamesh how to find the plant of everlasting life. He would need to dive into the deepest part of the ocean, and while there, defeat the giant octopus and cut off only a single branch from the tree of life upon hearing this Gilgamesh grew excited as this seemed like something he could do he even knew where the octopus was he usually avoided it when he dived because he didn't want to do battle with it without having any air that very day Gilgamesh set off back towards his home and the ocean as soon as he got there he grabbed some heavy rocks and he dove down to the bottom of the ocean and when he got to the bottom He quickly hit the giant octopus with the rocks he was carrying and stunned it then he broke off a single branch from the tree of life and shot back up to the surface before swimming to the shore first he thought of eating the branch right away and then he thought to go to town waving his prize for others to see finally he thought to throw a huge party and apologized to the entire town for his hideous behavior in the past and promised to change, and then to eat the branch of life and live forever. And while thinking all these things, Gilgamesh ended up curling up and falling asleep while hugging his branch. The gods, seeing this chance, sent a snake to steal back the branch because only the full gods were supposed to live forever, and not partial gods unfortunately for them the snake disobeyed and instead ate the plant on the spot the angered gods cursed the snake to forever crawl on its belly in punishment for its disobedience when gilgamesh awoke he found the plant gone but instead of panicking he just shrugged and went back to town confident in the knowledge that he could go and get another one whenever he wanted and at that moment, all he wanted was a bath and a good dinner. As time went on, Gilgamesh had many an adventure, but he never seemed to find the time to dive back down again to get the plant of eternal life. No one knows why exactly. Maybe he didn't really want it, or maybe the gods conspired to keep him distracted for the rest of his life. Your guess is as good as any. That was the Babylonian story of Gilgamesh and the tree of eternal life. You probably noticed, much like myself, that there were a lot of things within the story that had parallels to the stories within the Christian Bible. The reason for this is that when the Hebrew scribes were penning the Bible, they took parts of the Babylonian and Sumerian mythologies for use in drafting their own mythologies. Several biblical narratives were based on earlier Mesopotamian legends. I'll include a link in the description where you can look this up beneath the link for where I pulled the story from. Next week, we'll have a story from the Egyptian mythos, but now it's time to move on to the next segment. Now let's move on to the next segment, which I like to call Keeping Up with the Christians. In this segment, I take a look at what the Christians are doing lately and dissect it from a non-Christian's point of view. Part of this is just a report on their goings-on, and part of it is making fun of them, so I hope you enjoy it. This week in Keeping Up with the Christians. According to an article on independent.co.uk, a Tennessee pastor by the name of Greg Locke has encouraged his congregation to burn works from Harry Potter and Twilight, as well as occult materials such as Ouija boards, healing crystals, idol statues, tarot cards, spell books, and anything else tied to the occult. Pastor Greg Locke of the Global Vision Bible Church in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, hosted a book burning for his congregation on Wednesday. This coming from a pastor who has previously called the pandemic a fake and discouraged vaccination. And how he is preaching that a church has a right to burn books that are a threat to their religion. Now, where to start? In the first place, the type of people who historically burn books are those who are threatened by free thinking and knowledge. People like Nazis and slaveholders burn books that hold values that threaten their agendas. Secondarily, Harry Potter and Twilight, while entertaining, are not occult material, they are fictional books, and burning them will not take them off the shelves, nor will it hurt the author's feelings, as they are already paid for the books. Finally, in the list of things he asked for people to bring for burning was included healing crystals. Now, I don't know about you, but I have found that most crystals do not burn very well, if at all and all that throwing them on a pyre is going to do is cleanse and charge them. I recommend that anyone attending his book burnings bring any misbehaving crystals and reclaim them from the ashes afterwards. In other news, according to an article on AsianNewsStay.com, a 17-year-old Hindu girl died as a result of forced Christian conversion. According to the article, she was placed in a Christian school and under pressure to convert to Christianity. While there, she was given an excessive amount of menial chores to do for religious reasons, and then days after she went to the police, she took her own life in order to escape her situation. First, I would like to say that suicide is not a good option. To begin with, in my belief system, you are here to learn a lesson or gain an experience, and so by terminating the experience before you complete it, it will only cause you to need to repeat the lesson. In this line of thought, it will be ultimately less torturous to endure it than to keep repeating it. Now that the suicide disclaimer is out of way, HOW DARE THEY! At what point do they not understand that if you need to torture somebody in order to convert them, there is something very wrong with your system? This is not a new thing, either. If you look at the history of the early United States, you will see that the colonizers would round up the natives and force them into schools where they had to learn English and convert to Christianity. Those who resisted were tortured and if they could not be converted, they were eventually killed to set an example as well as to prevent them from harming their souls any further. A 17 year old girl is dead because nobody listened to what she had to say. When I was in my teenage years, my mother threatened to put me in a christian school once I promised her that I would get myself expelled on the very first day and that conversation was over but this is exactly the kind of brainwashing and inhumane treatment that is causing so much of the world to target christians and christianity as a whole stop it finally in a bit lighter news An article on ChristianHeadlines.com states that a student in Michigan has been suspended because he not only failed to report the inappropriate jokes of his friends, but also stated that homosexuality is a sin. The family is claiming that he was merely professing his faith in a private conversation, but he has been suspended due to violating the school's bullying-slash-cyberbullying-slash-harassment policy, and I couldn't be happier. Religion, you see, is like a penis. It is a fine thing to have and even to take pride in. But when you start pulling it out and waving it in people's faces in public, it becomes a problem for everyone involved. Beyond this, if you are making a statement that seems to indicate that there is no problem with the homophobic jokes that are spewing out around you, then you are just as culpable as the ones who are spewing the hate, because you are allowing others to come to harm and even endorsing it. Carry on, school in Michigan. You are doing your job to build a better culture. Well, that's it for Keeping Up with the Christians for today. Tune in next week to find out the latest Christian drama. Now it's time for the audience Q&A. This week, I did not receive any questions by email. To anyone who wants to chime in, if you want to ask questions, leave comments, suggestions, send in content suggestions, or even just send me death threats and hate mail because you're a butthurt Christian who can't stand to hear me talking smack about your religion, please feel free to send them in at paganparlor1313 at gmail.com. That's P A G A N P A R L O R 1313 at gmail.com. That's all I have for today. Links to the podcast will be posted in the Sorcerer's Guild and the Pagan Daily News Facebook groups thanks to gracious permissions from group admins. Also, if you haven't yet, make sure to check out the Pagan Parlor Facebook page and the Pagan Parlor Facebook group to stay up to date on current episodes and discuss their contents with other listeners and myself. Thank you for tuning into The Pagan Parlor. Finally, I'd like to say again that any questions, comments, suggestions, or death threats can be sent to paganparlor1313 at gmail.com. The whole of the law shall be do as thou wilt, but harm none. Blessed be, and don't forget to blow out your candles.